Same show, different cast here. It is the crossover Locked On Big 12 that we do every single week. It is March 8th, 2022. Tonight we are brought to you by rockauto.com. I am Josh Neighbors. I am the host of Locked On Big 12. To my right, it is John Williams. He is the host of Locked On Sooners. To his right is Jonathan Davis. He is the host of Locked On Longhorns. Below him, it is Stephen Simcox. He is the host of Locked On Horn Frogs. And to his left, below John and I, is Emery Lida. He is the host of Locked On Texas Tech. We have got some Big 12 hoops to talk about, just kind of reflecting on the season as a whole, getting into the Mark Adams versus Scott Drew conversation. How successful of a season was this for the Big 12? All that coming up on today's show. You are locked on Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so the, the crew has been shaken up a little bit. We normally do this, uh, and then some of you guys obviously are new to, newer to the network, but we've, we've kind of rotated in and out, and that's to reflect the current state of the Big 12 and its basketball. And so I've got to go to Emery Lida first, host of Locked on Texas Tech. Emery, did Mark Adams get snubbed by not winning Big 12 Coach of the Year? Absolutely. I mean – Look, Scott Drew had an outstanding season. There's no denying that. You ended up having, they had basically all three of their lead guards having injuries throughout the season and obviously lost Jonathan Chamachachua. But you look at the stats, Mark Adams being able to sweep the last year's national champions in Baylor in his first year, beat Chris Beard and the Longhorns, swept them in the first year, took a roster that basically had four or five guys from last year and put it all together in a five-month span, got the team assembled, first year of a new res- regime, put them in the top 15 for most of the season. I mean, you look at, sure, they were picked to finish fourth in the Big 12 preseason, but they were still unranked. And to be able to exceed expectations by that much and just the way that they were able to do it, picking up the big wins against Kansas and Baylor and just in general being in the title race throughout the season. Like, I mean, Scott Drew did a lot, but at this point we've had a three or four season sample of Baylor being at the top of the conference. And while they lost pieces, they were still expected to be up there. I don't think many people expected tech to be in the conference race. And just considering all the wins they were able to get, I think it was pretty clear that Mark Adams deserved this one. All right. So Steven, I know you're pretty familiar with, with Baylor um, and just Scott drew. I think there is some credence to what, to what Emery is saying about like the, all right, we should start expecting this from Baylor, but this one, in my opinion, felt a bit different just because of the guys they lost. The fact that down the stretch uh, they were playing with seven players effectively, and they were beating teams for the most part and actually pulling away from them in the, in the case of Kansas and against Texas, uh, not the Iowa state game. That's not the case there, but still the fact they actually did win the conference, all things considered, like I, I know it, it Basically, this award is a choose-your-own narrative, right? And I think I'm going to choose the mark of the uh, the Scott Drew narrative. How do you feel about how Scott Drew this year? And, and were you upset with the Scott Drew getting the nod over Mark Adams? Yeah, it was super impressive. I wasn't upset. I mean, I'll say first of all, it's just so strange that we're talking about Scott. Like, oh yeah, we expect Baylor to be at the top of the conference, and I understand why. Like, they won a national title last year, but it wasn't that long ago. It was like four or five years ago. The narrative around Scott was, oh, he can recruit but he's not a great X's and O's coach and he's never really going to get Baylor. Like he's got Baylor to a, a high level for Baylor, but they're probably never going to go over the hump and he's been able to do that. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, losing Johnson Chachua in the middle there was huge. Uh, Emory mentioned the guard play, right? Like it was like Cryer and Flag were basically trading like games and who could sort of stick around and tolerate the pain we'll have to play. Um, it, not that it's amazing that Baylor won the conference, but I feel like the context around it is super impressive. And Mark Adams did an, an incredible job. Um, I was, you know, and this is, I guess, my own ignorance, but I was a little underwhelmed when they promoted him um, after Chris Beard left. I thought, huh, that's interesting. But he's been an incredible head coach. Uh, what Texas Tech has done has been great. But I think at the end of the day, it's just, you know, we, we thought Tech would maintain some level of stability. And even though the wins were impressive, there were also some pretty head-scratching losses there as well. Um, and then they ended up being sort of around where we thought they would be at the end of the day with the conference. But ha- Adams has a, you know, he has a, a gripe. Like, my thing about this, and maybe it's just because I'm a TCU fan and we don't get a lot of people that are all-conference basketball in general, even though this team has exceeded expectations. I just don't really get my fans get so mad about this. Like, none of it matters. I mean, it's all just, like, <laughs> coaches voting. And the AP, they came out with their own thing, and they had a different result. Like, nobody's going to care in a week when they start playing games on TNT and CBS. Uh, but, hey, I get it. Everybody's passionate. They want their guy to win. Texas Tech, I think, especially has rallied around this team given – you know, losing Chris Beard and, and what's transpired over the past few months. But um, I think they'll all be fine. I don't have a gripe with Scott Drew uh, getting it. I mean, it's not like they – like I, if uh, if TJ got it from Iowa State, I would be more upset because even though I know the clones had a lot of quad one wins and their fans love to talk about that, um, <laughs> the overall body of work, you know, the record at the end of the day wasn't amazing. Great turnaround from them. But I don't have an issue with Scott Drew winning it. So Emery and John, Jonathan, you guys will learn that that Stephen is going to take some kind of a shot at an opposing uh, Big Twelve fan base. He he called the West Virginia fans toothless mountain people a few weeks ago, which draws some some harsh in a loving out. way. I'm in, in a, a loving like way, and now he's complaining about Iowa State fans talking about how many quad one wins they have. So there you go. That he's from the hill back one of the week. Um, Jonathan, do you think do you think the reason because I think Steve makes a good point with some of the head scratching losses. Do you think part of the reasons Mark Adams kind of got the narrative boost is that he did sweep Chris Beard and those games had so much attention and rightfully so, but like those games were center stage, especially for us who follow this conference. Definitely. I think that was a big boost. Uh, People talk about how that game in Lubbock when Chris Beard returned was one of the best atmospheres in college basketball this year, maybe outside of the Duke in North Carolina game where, where coach K um, didn't get the ending that he desired. But I think that Mark Adams definitely got a boost, um, you know, just in people um, talking. He did a great job, and, and Texas Tech definitely exceeded expectations. I can't disagree with Emory there. And it was disappointing uh, to see Chris Beard lose to his former team twice this year, once in Lubbock and then once in Austin. But I definitely think um, narrative-wise that he got a little bit of boost uh, from beating Texas twice. I don't think most people didn't expect that. I do think that my pick would have been Scott Drew for Coach of the Year. I'm at Baylor just losing LJ Cryer, your leading scorer, losing everyday John, Jonathan Tanya Tanchua. Um, I think he did more, um, you know, was able to still get a share of the Big 12 title, losing uh, so many key players. But Mark Adams did a hell of a job this year at Texas Tech. They have a great team, great fan base. Uh, But I do think it was a little bit hyped uh, based on what he did by the fact that he beat Texas twice and those games were so intense and so hyped up. um, And so many people had eyes on those matchups. Yeah, I think after the TCU loss, uh, I felt like maybe Mark Adams had lost the national coach of the year thing. I, I, but I would say this uh, to you, John. Now, like, it feels like one of those two guys. I mean, 
I think here, here's what I think. I think the national coach of the year is either going to be to, uh, Tommy Lloyd at Arizona, or it's going to be one of these two guys. It's going to be Scott Drew or Mark Adams. I actually still think Mark Adams, just because of the national narrative, he was able to force his way in there pretty well. I, I think it's between those three. And, and look, I think Tommy Lloyd's going to get it, but those two guys have a pretty legit argument for not just Big 12 coach of the year, but, but national coach of the year. You agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think they both had fantastic seasons and – I think for everything that everybody has already mentioned about Mark Adams' season, he did have some some disappointing losses. I mean, they lost to Oklahoma by a big margin at one point in time when Oklahoma was yeah. in one of its roughest stretches of the season. Uh, some other difficult losses for Texas Tech. But they've had a great year, and I, I don't think that should take anything away from what Mark Adams has done uh, in response to losing their head coach after such a great tenure uh, in Chris Beard going to Texas. But I think what Scott Drew has done – with half of a roster is pretty remarkable. Uh, not just having your your lead guys out, but not having much of a bench to play with. I mean, it's hard to play with just seven guys in a 40-minute basketball game. That's not an easy thing to do, and he's able to make it work, not just win games, but win them convincingly as well. So, yes, they should both still be in, in the consideration for National Coach of the Year. And the fact that we're having this conversation, I think, is just really, really good for Big 12 basketball and just athletics as a whole, as everything kind of comes to a higher standard across sports, seeing Big 12 kind of jump to the national forefront as arguably the best conference in college basketball is huge for the conference. Yeah, we'll get to the idea of whether they are or not in here in a couple of minutes. I want to, I want to, uh, Jonathan brought up the Coach K thing. I actually want to run this by you guys. Totally off topic here, but we are talking about coaches. Was anybody else like pretty pleased when they lost? I, I, and also, did anybody else get really annoyed by the media glad handing afterwards? Where they were like, Coach K went out there and owned it after he was like, this was unacceptable. And then he did the thing where he's like, but the rest of the season has been pretty acceptable. I'm like, what, 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 are we, what are we doing here? Like, this is bizarre and this is weird. And also, he totally set himself up. He also set his players up in a really bad spot. That team, led by three freshmen, basically had a reputation to uphold in front of all of these famous people at home. And like sometimes 18-year-old kids do and probably I would have done and maybe a couple other of us would have done in that spot at 18 years old, completely shit the bed for lack of a better term, which once again, it happens, all that pressure on them. Would anybody here like to take a stab at what we saw on Saturday? And Because I kind of went on a rant about it, and now I feel like I need to get some feedback on this. Am I wrong? Am I totally slandering a guy who might be the greatest basketball coach of all time, Steven, I saw you snickering, potentially nodding your head. What do you? What were your thoughts on this situation? Well, it was hilarious. I mean, like <laughs> Coach K is a legend, but watching a bunch of nineteen-year-old Duke kids in like Cookie Monster costumes crying <laughs> while they fall by twelve to their biggest rival on their home floor was really, really funny. Watching those shots of like disgusted former Duke players who are just like have this look on their face, like, man, if I was out there, there's no, there's no way we'd go out like that. And then. You know, like they're following him to the locker room. The North Carolina guys are going crazy. Uh, and, okay, great. Yeah, Coach K went up there and said his piece. Like, he's like a 70-year-old man. Like, that's what I expect him to do. I didn't expect him to get out there and just start yelling at people. He handled it pretty well. Um, and they'll have an opportunity if they go on a run. This won't be the way it's remembered. But, man, I mean, listen, if this is the risk you take. If you're going to be, like, if you're going to be the guy that wants a farewell tour. Right. <laughs> This is the issue, you know, like if if you wanted to keep it under wraps, you could have just and if you could have just woken up after the season and said, hey, I'm done there. There still would have been some snickering and some like, oh, man, that was his last game um, at 
that Cameron Indoor and they lost. But oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine. Like, I guess when you have some space from it and down the road, there'll be people that probably like it's still really cool I was there. But if you're one of those folks that spent like five thousand, six thousand dollars for a good seat, and then you go watch Duke take an L like that. I mean, that's just that's really funny. Uh Jonathan, do you show a sentiment that I do that like Coach K is an awesome coach, but some of his behavior in the last few years is at best, at best questionable. And like much of it's very vain. And I'll, I'll give this example here. When he pulled Dylan Brooks aside after that game where they lost. And he said like, you're better than that to him. And then tried to lie about it after the game. I was like, who does this guy think he is pulling somebody else's player aside and being like, you are better than what you just did. I, I work with Tom Brennan. He's the coach of Vermont. And, you know, he's gotten, gotten older now. But the one thing he says is he learned, I coach my players, you coach your players. Thought it was completely out of line. Stuff like how he never actually did the sideline interviews and he always had an assistant do it. Like he was above that. The Grayson Allen suspension stuff was really weird. Calling out the kid reporter being like, what's your major last year? Was a complete Bush League move too. Like, Guy's a great coach, Jonathan, but am I wrong here in saying some of the, and there's also this farewell tour is just the most vain thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like there's some reason to kind of poke fun at coach K here towards the backstretch of his career. No, you're, you're definitely not wrong. And of course Duke, you know, being the villains, a lot of people wanted to see uh, them lose in in the fashion that they did. And and I thought it was hilarious. You talked about, you know, coach K um, is kind of comes from that Bob Knight coaching tree and he has that military background. So we know how intense he is. And stuff like that. I thought it was hilarious. You know, he know he he didn't want to do uh, the post game after they lost like that and went out there and embarrassed him. And then now he has to be celebrated for all his accomplishments and stuff. When he probably wanted to be in the locker room just cussing out his team, but he comes out and you know he's like, you know, tonight was was very disappointing. And the fans are trying to like, no, nah, Coach K, it's okay. And he's like, it was nah, so awkward. It's not okay. It's not okay. You know, so um, you know, I, I think that, you know, Coach K definitely loves some Coach K. And I think that's why Duke basketball has, has been what it is. He definitely made it a little bit more about himself um, than we've seen some other coaches do. But, um, you know, like Steven said, that's the risk you take when you set up a, a type of ceremony like that after um, the biggest game of the year. You know, it's a 50 50 percent chance of if you losing or winning and they lost, you know, and I was surprised. That's a team that they beat by 20 at North Carolina in Chapel Hill, you know, and. They were up by 11 at one point in that game, and they allowed North Carolina to come back and, and embarrass them. So um, I understood it. You know, he was upset. That was a tough loss. It was embarrassing, especially given uh, the way that ESPN had kind of set that game up all year. Uh, but it's a tough rivalry. It's one of the biggest rivalries in, in college basketball, and ultimately uh, North Carolina got him. And so I, I, do, I did think that, you know, he kind of threw his players under the bus a little bit where he was just like, you know, tonight was was really disappointing, but the yeah. season isn't over. He kind of set up this gladiator, like we're going to go on a run and not lose again, <laughs> you know, type. So they already embarrassed him and, and Cameron Indoor, and now if they lose again, Coach K came out in the interview and said our season's not over. So um, there's a lot of pressure on those kids, like you said, led by, by a freshman. But, um, you know, that's what, what makes him intense is, and what makes us criticize him is also what's made him so great for the last 42 years. So, um, you know, I, I didn't think too much of it. Yeah, I just I just like I just enjoyed laughing. I will say, John, this this reminds me of uh, a Sooner coach who just kind of said, "All right, I'm done. It's it's over." That was Bob Stoops, right? And and Bob did not want to go out with the the rocking chairs and the gifts. He didn't want you know Kansas State to give him you know a, a poster or some kind of shit to him. Get it out. He was like, yeah, he, yeah, right, right. And and so that's that's kind of the difference here. And 
I think like this is an example of how like, you know also I thought Tom Brady the way the way he went out like pretty clearly did not want any fanfare on the way out the door right um, I think Ben Roethlisberger if he could do it differently probably you know probably wouldn't have done it the way he did it this year considering how bad he was but like this this stuff is just kind of funny as it's happening and it also as we look back at it but Bob Stoops like kind of nailed it didn't he Yeah absolutely you know when your time is right and you step aside like if Coach K was ready to step aside he should have just done it. They're, he's probably one of the few people that can have a farewell farewell tour, but you run the risk. But then it's it's really lame of Duke to come out and say, or at least report saying that Duke was upset that UNC didn't honor them. I'm like, in what world is Texas going to honor an Oklahoma right. rival, or you know, like in in one of the most heated rivalries in all of sports? That's what UNC and Duke is. And so, like, shout out to UNC for not falling for the the trap of honoring your, the guy that's been your biggest headache for the last 40 years you know like it's okay you can just let that one play out um so yeah i think it's like you guys have talked about you you run the risk of getting embarrassed you run the risk of putting more pressure on your players i mean this is now his last acc tournament going into his last march madness um you know the the spotlight is going to continue to be on duke for however long they're in this thing and i don't think it's going to get any easier every team is going to want to be the team that gave coach K his last L. Yeah. And and I think they might roll through the ACC tournament, but uh, I mean, you know, once again, live by three freshmen in March, Emery, anything from you on this entire situation? Did you enjoy the complaining about how uh, also the big 12 did play a role in this uh, Kansas and Texas delayed the beginning of the broadcast because they decided to take their game into overtime. I should have mentioned that one for you, Jonathan, but yeah. Emery, any of your thoughts on all this situation as a whole? Oh, I just think it was absolutely hilarious. First to start the game, what you had they were delaying and delaying and delaying, and then finally they just had to put on ESPN <laughs> two. I was kind of hoping they would keep going to the second overtime with KU and you and UC at that point. Um, and then just looking in terms of the overall ceremony and whatnot, this is why you put your ceremonies before the game if you're even going to have one at all, because if you have to address the crowd after a loss, especially of the magnitude of a Duke UNC game, it is just going to be a disaster. And like nothing coach K could have said there um, would have been appropriate because if he goes after the, the fans or the players, it's like, what are you doing? If he does the response that he did, it just seems awkward and kind of self-centered. And then if you don't say a response at all, it's just going to be very tense in the room. So, I mean, he put himself in that situation. Um, I mean, certainly, it's a big rivalry, and I mean, Duke had to go into that game feeling comfortable and confident that they would be able to pull it out, but I mean, at the end of the day, it was probably one of the more memorable college basketball moments you're going to see in the last decade, just because of the fact that Coach K had this whole red carpet out for him. He had all all of the former players that he invited that ended up coming, and they saw their team lose to a double-digit underdog. Like, can't write it. Jerry Seinfeld was there. Does Jerry Seinfeld have any connection to Duke? I don't think so. No, he's just a bandwagon rich dude. Like all those rich <laughs> guys like that are Duke people. Hey, Josh, you think at any point in the season, Kay like thought about calling up the commission of the ACC and was like, hey, could you get me Georgia Tech in here for the last game? Or like, <laughs> could you could you send me NC State? They're going to add Elon. Kit? They're going to add an extra game for Elon at the end of yeah, the Yeah, he was like texting Hubert, like, can you guys get COVID well, or something? Well, did you see they already they – asked, they asked if they could be put in the Midwest region, I think, so they could play – in Chicago, I forgot who reported this last week. So they could play in Chicago, which is Kay's hometown. It's like, what is the NCAA a DJ now taking requests? Like, I mean, hey, can we get can we get the Midwest? Like, what the hell is that? 
in fairness to them, though, that is something that we've seen over the last few years where occasionally you'll see a team that requests to be in a different region than what the NCAA would regionally assign them to. And that is fair, but normally it's for the purposes of proximity to home, correct? Well, and normally, well, normally it only happens if you're on the one line, and now Duke is right. not going to be on the one line. So it's kind of a bit awkward there. But, I mean, we've seen that a little bit. I think in 2015 or so with Duke, if I remember correctly, they might have had something similar to that. Where both yes, but this is for the express, the, the express reason of putting yeah. the coach in his hometown. Yeah, no, that's very uh, superficial and uh, <laughs> quite interesting, but... It is what it is. Coach K is going to make sure everything's about him. So yeah, uh, which is like, which is, I, I feel like this is a weird thing that's recently just been developed about all of this. Like we always had this idea of Coach K, like molder of men, and then like the one and done stuff is hit. And I mean, he ever since 2015, let's be honest, he's just rolling the ball out there. Like he is not done a lick of coaching in the last seven years. That Zion team, once again, not making a final four at least is one of the biggest travesties. And I mean this in the history of college basketball there. Also they almost, they should have lost to UCF. They should have lost to Virginia tech too. That team should not even made it out of the round of 32. He's been rolling. And that last year's team didn't even make the tournament. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think all of this like hullabaloo is like, look, it, this guy's kind of passed it in multiple ways. Now team's awesome this year. Um, I'm skeptical of how much of this is actually coach gay and, how much of this is is the guys behind him? I think they've got a really good staff, and I think John Shire is going to be a very good coach. Um, I'm not a huge John Shire guy, but like I hope he does well. You know, want him to do well. So all this stuff, guys, just to me is like so compelling, and I'm here for it. Look, if he wins one more, I'll, I'll eat crow and say I was totally wrong. I'm here for it to end ugly. I'm I'm absolutely here to end for it to end ugly, and I might be the only person out here saying that, but I just want to put that out there. Um, all right, let's get the, uh, hear from a couple of our sponsors here. Today's show is brought to you guys by Built Bar. Go to Built.com today. That's Built.com. When you guys do, check out the line of Built Bars that they've got right now. They have got mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Once again, go to built.com today. It's promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15, for 15% off today. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Stat Hero. If you guys go to Stat Hero right now, they have the single game pickums, which, which pits one star player against another star player. Truly a hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. It's pretty awesome to see. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on the players you know the best. They gameplay that does not rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code uh, locked on as well. Once again, go to stathero.com slash locked on for a 100% match right now. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So I just want to ask you guys about the Big 12 generally. Uh, I'll, let, I'll let you go again here, Emery. Um, was it the best, was it the best basketball conference? I kind of feel like the Big 10 has an argument. Now, it does not mean, this is not necessarily saying that the tournament won't go better for the Big 12 than the Big 10. We saw last year it went really badly for the Big 10, and that's a lot of because of the style of play. But do you think the Big 12 was the best basketball conference in America this year, Emery? 
I do. I think that on the top, you could say that maybe like the SEC sort of can challenge them just in terms of the top tier teams. And in terms of depth, you could say that the Big Ten maybe has the edge in terms of just having nine or 10 teams that could have been on the tournament and have a real shot at it. But if you look just in terms of combining the two, you've got Baylor and Kansas on the one line. You've got Tech and Texas who have been sort of intertwining within those two teams and sort of making it a close race at the top. And then you've got a midfield of the Big 12 that is just incredible. And like when you have every single road game in the conference being a quad one game, that speaks a lot to just the depth of the conference in general. I mean, obviously the defenses in the conference are at another level. And really, I think sometimes the efficiency differences can be a little bit overplayed because once you get into conference play, it's kind of just a round robin of everyone sort of boosting or slightly hurting their own resumes. But at the end of the day, like the Big 12 stands kind of alone in terms of having both the depth and the top tier teams where there's no... There's no off nights in the Big 12, and there's also multiple teams that could win the national championship and it not be a surprise. So for me, I think it's the Big 12. I don't think it's as big of a gap as it could have been as, like, say, early in January. I thought maybe it would have been a little bit bigger of a gap between the Big 12 and the Big 10 and SEC. But still, I would still have them as the number one team or the number one conference. Steven, do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't feel like there is a overwhelming team this year, right? Like last season so much of the college basketball conversation was around, okay, Gonzaga and Baylor, can anybody challenge them? Or are we just waiting on these two teams making it to the title game? Um, I feel like it's a pretty, like, uh, even, you know, level ground at the top. And as Emory sort of laid out there, like Baylor and Kansas are right there. I think Texas and Texas Tech are two teams that, you know, given the right matchups could, could make a run. Um, and then the middle of the conference is really good. I mean, I don't think like – like K-State and Iowa State and TCU are good teams. I feel like they're teams that in other conferences uh, would have better records. Um, there's not really a bottom feeder. Like West Virginia had a really tough season, uh, but we know Bob Huggins is a good coach. Taz Sherman can score. Like the depth, it, to me, is the big difference. I know the SEC won the SEC Big 12 Challenge, and, um, you know, that is to a certain extent like a good barometer. Yeah, the, uh, but the Big 12 won more games against the SEC in the total season series. There you go. Thank you, Josh. That's why you're the host of Lockdown Big 12. They're not the host of Lockdown Horn Frogs. Um, but I just I feel like, yeah, top to bottom, the league is the best. I know the Big Ten's really good. Uh, there's some great teams there like Purdue and Wisconsin uh, at the top. And, um, yeah, but I just feel like overall the Big 12, the round-robin schedule, you know, anybody can beat anybody on a given night. And we've seen that play out throughout the course of the season. I just want to mention this, Stephen. You mentioned it. last year it was Gonzaga and Baylor. And, yes, it wasn't much more so Gonzaga and Baylor last year. But does anybody know the top two seeds right now? It's Gonzaga and Baylor again. Mm-hmm. Time is a flat circle, my friends. Uh, Jonathan, do you agree with the sentiment that like there's no Oregon State, right? There is no Pitt who set basketball 50 years back today with a performance against Boston College. There is no Boston College out there. There's no Georgia Tech. There's no Louisville. The fact there's none of those teams, the Big 12 is what makes it so good. Yeah, I definitely think Emory uh, made a good point, and Stephen as well, is about the depth. If, if I was talking about the top four teams, I might look at the SEC and say I would probably take Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas, maybe over mm-hmm. any other conference. But the depth is what sets the Big 12 apart when you have schools at the bottom like Kansas State and, and West Virginia, just places you don't want to go in and play teams that can beat you. And we saw Kansas State beat Texas this year. Um, Oklahoma State, you know, beat Texas Tech and Baylor. Uh, TCU just lost to West Virginia in their last game of the season. So no off nights in the Big 12. And I think that's what makes it the best conference from top to bottom, even though I think the SEC is a little better at the top than the Big 12 was this year. 
Yeah, and then the, for the Big Ten, part of that is the depth, right? Is just like they've got more teams, so that is one thing that obviously you have to to factor in there. Um, is that just you know when you're saying okay, the big the Big Ten is deeper in terms of who they're going to put in the tournament. You know, there are some opportunities there to beat up on the Northwesterns, Penn States um, of the world. Like like you get a couple extra wins there. The the problem is when when you're Baylor, you got Baylor in Kansas, and I forget how many games total they lost, but like you're going to have to distribute the L's, right? Somebody's got to take those L's. So that's why the records don't end up looking as good as they would have else. But you're totally right about the, the, the point of look, TCU's tournament team pretty solidly. They went to West Virginia, just lost. Oh, they're the nine seed Oklahoma state, not allowed to play, um, you know, and, and uh, Texas tech went there this weekend and, and they just lost as well. And, that's kind of like just the nature of this league is like, it's just, I know home court advantage has been really strong across all of college basketball. It's been really difficult to win road games all season long. We've been saying, we've been seeing that, but um, this conference too, you know, and, and you know, while that's also been true in this conference, like there is a certain extent, like, Hey, Baylor lost a couple of big home games, you know, uh, Kansas was not always great in the fog all year, all year long. The teams were actually good enough in this conference to go and get road wins at times as well. It was not complete home dominance from, from wire to wire. And then also Johnny, I'll ask you like a team like Oklahoma, you're like, damn, if they were in the ACC, the team's in right. That, that team, if you get to pad the, the, the stats with wins against Georgia tech, Louisville, NC state, uh, Boston college, you know, your record, you know, your 1920 wins as opposed to where Oklahoma is now. And you're, and you're probably in. Yeah. It's, it was a rough January and February for Oklahoma and you can't win three or four games in the big 12 and expect to be a tournament team. Yeah. If, if they were in any other conference, I think they've got a, a much better shot at getting into uh, the NCAA tournament. They're going to have to go on a significant run here uh, in the big 12 tournament to even have a chance to, to bolster their resume enough to, to get in on as one of those bubble teams. All right, friends, let's take a look at this bracket. I've got it pulled up. Ooh, look at that. Just so fun. We're using technology. We're having fun. If you aren't watching on YouTube, Right now, we're showing the Big 12 uh, Big Twelve Championship graphics. So make sure you guys subscribe to all of the Locked On Big 12 family of YouTube channels so you guys can check out the new visual elements that we all use with our shows. But take a look. Study it, friends. I'm sure you guys are already familiar with it. Um, so you guys, I'm just going to give you all the floor here, and you guys can each talk about what you like from this tournament, how you think it plays out, if there's a surprise, if there's a shocker, if you think it's chalk, just – I'll give you all the floor for a little bit to talk about how you guys think this thing plays out. Steven, I'll go to you first. Tell us how you see the 2022 Phillips 66 Big 12 Men's Basketball Championship going down this year. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, interesting first-round matchups go, I really like Texas Tech and Iowa State. I think that'll be a good one. Um, you know, the thing I always wonder, Josh, when it comes to conference tournaments like this is how motivated are the teams at the top, right? Like, KU and Baylor – um, obviously two really solid, complete basketball teams. Baylor, as we sort of laid out earlier, still trying to get healthy. They've dealt with injuries all year. Kansas seemed like they might have lost their mojo for a minute to, there towards the end of the season, but have righted the ship a little bit. So um, I think KU's probably the team that might be a little hungrier. Uh, but as far as like a, a team that I could see going all the way, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let Emory touch more on this, but I really like Texas Tech and kind of how they're set up for, you know, playing multiple games in a couple of days, the way they defend, the way they rebound, the way they get after people um, on that side of the ball. 
I think there's a lot for them to gain, like seeding wise, if they can find a way to get out of the Phillips 66 Big 12 tournament and win it. Um, so should be fun. Always, you know, good basketball. Even that K-State West Virginia game tomorrow or mm-hmm. tonight, if you're listening on Wednesday, I think will be a fun one. And yeah, as far as the team I cover goes, like Texas and TCU, as Jonathan knows, um, Texas has swept that in the regular season. I think it's a tough matchup for the Frogs. They've out-rebounded um, most teams they've played this year, but Texas has beaten them on the boards twice. So that should be a fun one. And, uh, yeah, I think the the Horn Frogs are solidly in the field. A lot of fans are asking about, like, seeding. And, I mean, I am I hope that they can win a game or two and improve their seed. Yeah, and honestly – Eight-nine line, right, because that just puts you in – you know, you, it puts you basically in right in the path of a one seed, which is a tough one. It does, and if you can avoid it, that's great. But honestly, like talking about seeds in the NCAA tournament is like giving uh, with TCU is like you know asking a starving man if he wants a menu. Like I'm just <laughs> I'm just happy that they're playing basketball, meaningful basketball in March. Like if if they're there and they're playing around one game, if they win around one game, I'm over the moon. So where they end up in the round of 32 doesn't matter as much. How do you see it going, Stephen? How do you who do you think wins the Big 12 tournament? I, I'm taking Texas Tech over over Kansas in the final. Yep. So, Emery, I'm going to ask you about this now, uh, kind of perfect transition here. So I think that the two teams the most to gain here are KU, and um, KU can obviously solidify themselves in the one line, then Texas Tech, who has not been playing their best basketball. But also they want to get healthy too. So your thoughts on kind of just needing to get right and make sure all the facets and everything's kind of locked and loaded as you head into the tournament, Texas needs that too. We'll get to you in a second here, Jonathan, with that. But, Emery, your thoughts on that first, just – uh, you know, text, text outlooks, and, and then how you think this thing goes down. Yeah, I think for me, it's just going to be kind of a balance of obviously you want to be able to win these games, and certainly Tech could stand and make up a lot of the ground that I feel like they lost over the last week and a half. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you've got Kevin McCuller, who's been injured the last couple of weeks, and not sure if he's going to be able to give it a go in Kansas City. But if he is, I would expect him to be on a minutes restriction. I would not be surprised if. Mark Adams was a little bit conservative with TJ Shannon just because of how the back injury has been flaring up recently. And so if you take those two guys out of the equation, you're talking about a team that really kind of can struggle to score the ball efficiently. And I think that this is also something that Tech has struggled with in conference tournaments. I mean, they have one win in a conference tournament in the last seven years. And how much of that was Chris Beard? How much of that was Mark Adams? How much of that was a roster? I don't really know. But the fact is there were a lot of good Tech teams over that time frame they just kind of get it done. So I'm a little bit skeptical in that sense. But obviously, Tech does have a fair bit to gain from a seeding standpoint. I think they match up really well against Iowa State. The first matchup in Ames, almost one with seven players and most of the team out due to COVID. And then in the second matchup, it was really not that close in Lubbock. So I just think that Tech does a lot of what Iowa State does slightly better. And I think that's a good matchup. But getting into the games against Baylor and Kansas, I feel like it's really going to be dependent on how the team is healthy and just how how much Mark Adams is willing to risk. If they beat, te- if they beat Baylor three times in, in one year, I mean, that's pretty damn impressive. See, I think that would prove who the coach of the year should be, but um, that's another discussion. <laughs> the holistic versus, uh, you know, the the specific game thing. Uh, so your what's your prediction for how this thing goes down? I'm actually going to take Kansas to win the Big 12 tournament, and I'll take Kansas over Tech. I think that Tech wins over Baylor for a third time, but I just think that – Three games in three days, you're going to see a team with a little bit more experience and maybe a little bit of a home crowd advantage in Kansas being able to get things done. I also think the one thing you know we had to mention here is like Baylor, they we kind of know what they are, so it's like I don't know if we need to play three games in three days yeah. with seven yeah. players. I'm not sure if it's like Stephen said it's advantageous. Yeah. I still think they may. 
I still think it's going to be yeah. one of those where it's like they want to. I'm going to add one more thing to this as well. Oh, go ahead. I think if there's a team that beats Kansas in the tournament, it's going to be Nigel Pack having another. I was going to say it. I was really <laughs> going. Yeah. I think like, his his Big Twelve tournament last year was absolutely incredible, especially the first round matchup against TCU, I believe. And if he can pull another one out out of that and be able to get that victory over Kansas, I think it's going to be. Out of all the teams I look at in Kansas's path, that's probably the matchup that was scaring me the most if I was a Jayhawk fan. Yeah, and what's interesting about them is what's interesting about them is like you know a decent supporting cast, right? Yeah. Like like with Mark Smith and Noel, it's like actual two players who could support a guy going on a big run. So yeah, almost the uh, you know those guys can be the who was it? Uh, I guess the the old Shabazz Napier to Kemba Walker, if if you will, in that situation. All right, Jonathan. So Texas is a team. But I think because of their defense sets them up really well in these kind of tournament situations. One thing I want to see is late in games, who is the guy? Because it's definitely not Marcus Carr, and I want him to be the guy. It just never happened. But who is the guy late in games? Do you like Texas tournament outlook, uh, You know, both Big 12 and NCAA? And how do you see the Big 12 tournament shaking out? So for the Big 12 tournament, I'm taking chalk uh, really into the semis. And then I'm going to have Texas against Kansas and then Baylor against Texas Tech. I ultimately think Baylor wins the Big 12 tournament this year. Um, as far as Texas' outlook in, in the Big 12 tournament, we played Kansas twice. Uh, close this year, we beat Kansas 79-76 to 76 in Austin, and then we just lost to them in uh, Kansas, at Kansas, for the last game of the regular season by seven in overtime. And I think just Texas, we need to find that alpha on offense where the best – we have the best scoring defense in the Big 12. Um, but when it comes down to the offensive end, like you said, who is going to be that guy? Is it going to be um, Andrew Jones? Is it going to be Marcus Carr? Is it going to be Timmy Allen? I think too many times um, they struggle with finding that. And we're really lacking in size right now. We've kind of lacked in size all season. But especially with uh, Trey Mitchell taking a leave of absence, that's been a big loss for this team. And so we get out-remounted a lot. Really struggle against athletic guards, which you have in Kansas and Baylor. And they struggle with teams that are able to function in the post, like Texas Tech, Baylor, and Kansas. Um, and so I just don't see uh, Texas, as, as well as they defend and as well as they played against Oshai Abaji this year and Kansas, I don't see them being able to get past them. And I think Baylor just continues that magic and they win the Big 12 tournament. As far as the NCAA tournament, um, once again, you know, Texas just has this thing where they can't really beat teams if they don't if they allow them to score more than 60 points, you know, so that's not going to take you very far in the NCAA tournament. So I can see us as, as being a sweet 16 team right now. I think that's our ceiling. Um, but once again, just without the offensive consistency, like I said, you're not going to hold everybody to 58 points a game. So um, eventually when you start playing these, these higher tier teams, they're going to be able to score the basketball and you're going to have to, you know, match them on the offensive end and not limit them on the defensive end. And I don't think we have the chemistry right now or just the horses uh, to make that happen. Marcus Carr has been a little bit disappointing. Timmy Allen is off and on. Andrew uh, Jones has been cold. Courtney Ramey has been cold. So I see us as a sweet 16 team, uh, maybe in the NCAA tournament, but I can't go any higher than that right now. I think it seems to be a lot of the sentiment. John, nobody's talking about those Oklahoma Sooners who have won three straight and they got that sneaky matchup with Baylor right there. Your thoughts on if the Sooners can pull off the upset and maybe get themselves on a little run here, a little Porter Mosier magic. Do you? How do you see that going down in the top of the tournament as a whole? Yeah, so uh, Oklahoma football starts spring practice on March 22nd. <laughs> Baker Mayfield's getting a statue on April 23rd after the spring game. Oh, oh, sorry, basketball. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. 
I'm not real uh, thrilled about this first round matchup. Uh, Baylor's beaten Oklahoma by double digits both times this year. Uh, Oklahoma's a streaky team. If they if Emoji Gibson can hit his shots, if he can shoot well, they they'll have a chance. But if he's not if he's not hitting, they're not going to be able to score enough to to keep up with Baylor. Uh, they've got solid guys in the post that can play in Tanner Groves, Jacob Groves. They've got some good defenders, um, but they they really miss the energy of Elijah Harkless. Yeah, it's just a team that's just not consistent enough shooting the basketball that they can carry them in a tournament setting. They go up against a good defensive team, which Baylor's good on both ends of the floor. Um, it's it's going to be really hard for them to win. So I'm you know, if they can cover, that'll be a win for them. But I, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to be able to pull out pull out a win against uh, the defending national champion. And how do you see the tournament going down? Who do you think uh, wins it all? Oh gosh, man, I'm terrible at brackets. Um, so you're, you'll probably beat me in your run your pool bracket if you signed up uh, uh, with a promo code. We'll Lockdown. get to them in a moment. We have, um, but uh, I don't know. Give me, give me the Zags. Actually, I want to go Gonzaga. No, in the Big down. Twelve tournament, John, jump oh. in the gun. Yeah, sorry, there is one tournament, the tournament. That's, that's true. Sorry, Big I'll Twelve be tournament. I'm upset in the Big Twelve tournament. Yeah, <laughs> Fine, John. Hey, John, uh, to just make sure you know, who is going to win the 2022 Phillips 66 yes. men's, Big 12 Men's Basketball Championship? So I'm going to say it's going to be the winner of ten, Texas, Kansas, and I'm going to say Kansas. Uh, sorry, Jonathan and Longhorns. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna go with Kansas. I think for a lot of the reasons you guys already spoke of, their experienced team with good coaching, they're going to be on pretty much home floor. Um, that's that's going to benefit them. not going to have to travel much. But yeah, that's, that's kind of the way I see it going down. I think Texas Tech probably knocks off Baylor. Um, it's going to be Kansas over Texas Tech in the final. So sounds like West Virginia is going all the way, uh, according to our our predictions. Uh, that's what that's what it sounds like. We're all going to look like a bunch of idiots. No, uh, I think you guys, yeah, I think we're kind of all hitting the same same two. I, I will say, Emery, I would be delighted if we got the Nigel Pack run because he's actually the one guy who feels like they can do it out of all the guards. Shout out, but like Nigel packs the one guy who shoots like 40 times a game, it feels like. So it feels like he's actually got the potential to do that. Uh, all right, one more word from our sponsors, and we'll get out of here. Uh, oh, I just I pulled it down. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Run Your Pool. It is NCAA tournament time, and the best way to run a pool is go to runyourpool.com. When you guys do it, you can check out the different games they have, they've got uh, Survivor or Pick X, which are both fun in their own way. They also have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks. All the stuff that you will not find at ESPN or CBS. If you have a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain some customers. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. Save time and money when using rockauto.com with the ever-increasing number of makes and models for vehicles. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning of is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and wait while a person behind the counter 
orders of parts on their computer, choosing from the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home and in your pocket as well. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Go to rockauto.com today to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, time for the plugs. John, where can people find you and your work in all of its wonderful variety? Yeah, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at John9Williams, uh, Locked On Sooners on Twitter at Locked On Sooners, and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. You can also read the work covering the Oklahoma Sooners at the Sooners Wire. Going to be, well, you're listening on Wednesday. I'm at Oklahoma Pro Day in Norman today, so checking out those guys and seeing who's going to run the fastest 40 in those skin-tight skin. That, that was going to sound weird. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Man, they did pretty well at the y'all. combine, though. Yeah. They did pretty well at the combine. Yeah, so yeah, pro days coming, NFL draft. We've got eleven sooners, twelve sooners declared for the draft, so it could be a big, big April for Oklahoma. All right, Jonathan. While you're thinking about Oklahoma players in skin tight shorts, tell us where people can find you and all of your work. I'd rather see him in burnt orange, but check out Jonathan Davis on Twitter at Johnzo Ball. Yes, like Lonzo Ball, but Johnzo Ball. Twitter, the Locked On Horns, Locked On Horns. That's the Locked On Longhorns page, and of course on YouTube, Locked on Longhorns. Make sure you subscribe. That's where you can find me and all uh, your daily Texas Longhorns content. All right. For the sake of not having horned in the last two or the two back-to-back to confuse people, we'll go to Emery next. All right. So you can follow me at Eraser41 on Twitter. You can follow Locked On Texas Tech on Twitter at Locked On TTU. And you can check out Ryan and I's um, channel on YouTube at the Locked On Texas Tech YouTube channel. You'll see every day, half the time I have people knocking on my door, the other half of the time Ryan has his dog, and it's just a great time. And then not last, but definitely not least, our friend Steven Simcox. At Simcox Stevens, where you can find me on Twitter, the show is at Locked On TCU, and Locked On Horn Frogs is a podcast, wherever you like to uh, listen to that. Tap into it. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You can find the show at LO Big 12. You can find us on YouTube and wherever you guys get your podcast. Friends. It was a pleasure. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you all back here next week. John, a little worried about you. Might not be here next week. See you, guys, uh, see you guys after the tournament. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Hopefully, we can see you guys all next week. Good stuff, guys.